May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Again, good morning. Always a delight and joy to be back here with y'all at Reconciliation. I'm glad to have a chance to share in the ministry that Josh enjoys so much with y'all here. And uh, we have a big day of the second Sunday of Advent. A good group of people to be confirmed. Uh, Had a, a chance to visit with them ahead of time. And all of them still came over here to church. So... So that's good. That's good news. A good sign. Um, we didn't cover this <laughs> earlier today. Um, I forgot to mention that those being confirmed and received and being reaffirmed today have a, an especially important job today. does not involve answering more questions than you're going to ask. So no pop quiz type questions coming your way. But, but you all will need to help us quit worrying about our shopping lists and our to-do lists and naughty and nice lists and all the busy pre-Christmas things we get so busy with this time of year. Your job is to be like Advent candles for us, candles lit in, in a darkened room, drawing our attention to the light shining in the darkness, leading us to look more carefully, more attentively for something that's coming, for the one who is to come. Their job today is to be like John the Baptist, maybe not in such a dramatic and and, um, larger-than-life kind of way, but still to get our attention and then point beyond themselves. Now, I, I know that you are all proud of this group, and they're all sitting. Y'all raise your hand for a second so they'll know where you're sitting and who I'm talking about. Thank you. I forgot to mention that part too. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, it's not very Episcopalian, I know, to raise your hand in church, but still. Um, so I know this parish is very proud of you and joyful that you all are doing this, and the parish should be proud of you. You are signs of life for Church of Reconciliation. Today we celebrate you and make a big deal about you, and we should. But like John the Baptist, this group group is here to recall us to something beyond themselves, something even more amazing and wondrous than them. And to see that, to to even glimpse that, we need kind of an Advent alertness. We need sharpened senses that help us hear and see what's being said and done. To see and hear that in our worship and then to hear and see through that to what God is saying and doing in our midst today. When this brave group stands up in front of God and everybody, they are bearing witness. They are serving as evidence that God is acting and that the kingdom of heaven has come near. When they answer the two deceptively simple questions that I'll ask them, they're reminding us that we are now citizens of this kingdom, having immigrated by way of water and the Holy Spirit now adopted as children of God and made the brothers and sisters of Jesus 
and of one another forever and ever. Amen. By standing in our midst, they end up leading us in one of the church's most important ministries. And that is to help people remember. To wake up from our deep sleep of forgetfulness. To shake off the spiritual and cultural amnesia. And remember that our Savior has come. And beloved, we are God's children now. It's not an easy ministry to take on for anyone at any time, let alone for these who are sitting there unsuspecting that they're being called on to lead a ministry this very day. And in a time when we're subject to great distraction and tiredness. So God gives them a gift to help them today. And that gift is is us. A people, a family, companions for this adventure. We're gathered around them and we make a promise to them that we will do all in our power to support them in their life in Christ. And it's worth considering what is within our power to offer them to consider the power we have individually and as this parish family. As they stand up and lead us in renewing the baptismal covenant, they help us remember who we are. The confirmands remind us that we have received power by water and the Holy Spirit in baptism when we were marked as Christ's own forever. That is the power that we have to offer in support of them and anybody else that comes through these doors. Since it's Advent, we might consider the gifts of watching, waiting, expecting, and preparing as expressions of the power that we have received. These gifts, as we know from our own experience, these gifts are hard to come by. Lost in the supply chain somewhere, probably. When you invite others into this brief but slow Advent pilgrimage, you're not only participating in a subversive countercultural act, you're inviting others to join the long salvation parade of God's people. During Advent, the church gathers and spends time with people who are watching and waiting. Watching and waiting with hope and expectation living fully in the present and leaning into a future promised by God. And so we encounter people like the prophet Isaiah pointing toward a future secured by God and proclaiming a coming day when new life will emerge from an old tree stump. We meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, parents of John the Baptist, longing for a child and praying that God will act. There's Mary, of course, receptive and expectant, and Joseph preparing also for a child. There's the old priest Simeon, finally able to sing, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And of course, we have John himself pointing toward Jesus, pointing beyond Himself, wanting to be simply a voice. 
a voice crying in the wilderness to a people too busy, too weary, too distracted to wake up. And all of them, all of these biblical characters represent the long waiting of Israel. They all embody and reflect as well our own human longing, our shared human longing, prompting us maybe to ask ourselves, what do we really want for Christmas? What do we really want God to do for us, for our neighbors? All of them are people who are waiting. All remind us that Christians live Advent-shaped lives of expectation and hope all the time. Living not passively or indifferently, but like farmers waiting for crops to grow, waiting actively and expectantly to enjoy the fruits of their labors. Our hope, our hope is not wishful thinking, but it is God-given bending back bending back to illuminate this very day and to pour meaning into our lives now now here's where john the baptist crashes the party you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come bear fruit worthy of repentance well listen it's okay really don't worry He's not talking about us. He's talking about those other people, those other churches. He's talking to those Pharisees and Sadducees who come out into the wilderness to see what he's up to with all this preaching about a coming kingdom and the need to repent. I thank God I'm not like them, that bunch of snakes with their fancy robes and long-winded prayers and Self-righteous scorekeeping. I hope Josh is paying attention. (laughs) But, of course, it turns out, as it always turns out in the Gospel, that whoever, wherever the Word is being spoken, it's being spoken to us as well. We're always overhearing the good news, overhearing the Gospel, and even this call to repentance in the end, if we can be patient, if we can stick with it, becomes a word of great good news and hope. Turns out that John is our chief spokesperson for Advent, and his call to repent is loud and insistent, and we cannot get around it and jump into Christmas jolliness until we have heard what he has to say. Now, church growth consultants probably would advise us not to lead with repent if we want people to come join us here. But repentance is not about being endlessly sorry for our sins. We all know what it's like when somebody keeps telling us how sorry they are and yet they keep doing what they've been doing. The call to repentance is about facing into our lives, facing into what we are doing with them for better, for worse, doing that fearless inventory and reorienting our lives toward God. Again, let the confirmands, those being received and reaffirming, minister to us here. 
So listen carefully when I ask them, do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil? And then do you renew your commitment to Christ? That is repentance. Not a one-off occurrence that happens on a nice Sunday morning in a beautiful church among beautiful people. That's our daily bread. The biblical term for repentance is metanoia. I'm surprised nobody asked me that, Josh. They were asking really hard questions. The word metanoia means simply to turn about. The call to repent is a turning and a returning. Turning away from that which destroys and diminishes and dehumanizes us to turn away from sin and turn again and return to the God of life and love. To turn from all that destroys and divides, degrades us, and turn toward the lover and giver of life who loves us so much that He sends His Son. Repentance pierces our denial, frees us to live forward as part of our waking up and shaking off our amnesia, remembering who we are and who we belong to. Repentance and this sifting of our lives is, of course, very personal. The quiet and spacious tones of Advent encourage us toward reflection and introspection. And this is helpful for for me to do, at least, in that I'm less likely to judge others, including those really annoying Pharisees and Sadducees, if if I can hear that word of John coming to me. The cry of good news to turn around, to reorient, to think again, to wake up. Repentance is not easy. It's easier when we're in the company of those who have committed to supporting us in our life in Christ, who have committed to loving us sometimes in spite of ourselves. As personal as this seasonal pilgrimage is, it carries great responsibility also for the church family and for the larger community in which we live. John calls the people to bear fruit worthy of repentance so that kingdom life might might move beyond the walls of the church and outside the community of faith. You can come up with your own list of what that kind of fruit worthy of repentance might be, but I'm thinking that it must include humility, gratitude, kindness, forgiveness, compassion, hope, patience, persistence, love, and reconciliation. I used reconciliation on purpose because it must include you, the people of reconciliation. I think that's a pretty good harvest. That's a pretty good Christmas wish list. And think of how food like that can feed and nourish those who are starving for a little good news. Well, we are always an Advent church. As with all of the church's seasons, this one is practice and discipleship training for the rest of life. We are baptized, we are given power by water and the Spirit to be a people who day by day watch and wait and prepare the way of the Lord. 
Like John, we are a people pointing beyond ourselves, announcing that God is doing a new thing and His kingdom has come near to us. Advent is about being a people prepared for our Lord's coming, waking daily with a willingness to stand with others in the hope-filled expectation that God is not done with us and His love will prevail. Look for the signs of God's gracious and saving love pressing in, emerging out of this beloved community. Hang on to those Advent words as you move through this season. Words like watch and wait, prepare and hope. And seek together to put them into practice. Indeed, John points the way toward the God who is on the move. Prepare the way of the Lord, for our King is close by. Amen.